Welcome to China Tech Talk, the weekly discussion of technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, Editor-in-Chief of Technode.com. And as always, I'm joined by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel. So this week we have, um, I think, the second time that we've had uh, a person on uh, for uh, a subsequent episode. So we're, we, um, we ha- we're talking with Elijah Whaley, the CMO of uh, Park Lu. A uh, KOL, um, a KOL agency, um, and 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 you know, ta- catching up with them a little bit about kind of what he's been doing, um, and and also some of some of the problems that that he's been encountering. And I think that it's always really interesting to talk to Elijah because he really is, in a lot of ways, on on, on the front edge uh, of a lot of um, interesting. Um, technology trends, and in particular, as it relates to to social networks um, and and marketing and um, and e commerce and, and things like that. And so, you know, we Matt and I we we talk about these things kind of from a from a higher level usually. And so, it's always nice to get someone like Elijah on to talk about some of the some of the things that he's seeing. And and as in as we hear in this episode, some of the uh, the major pain points that he's uh, that he's been experiencing recently. Mm, yeah, I think he covers some. We cover some pretty big changes on Weibo. Um, something that's like just like you just said, John, at the front. He's dealing with this these changes right now, and it's having a big effect on on the business. And it's probably going to have a big effect on Weibo's um, financials um, when they start reporting it as well. Um, and it's going to have a big effect on the sort of KOL economy. Um, so everything's fluid, everything's in motion and moving fast in China. So yeah, we get down into into some of that, some some real details about Weibo, uh, some numbers. We, we we talk a bit about you know uh, how, how much this stuff costs, which is always really interesting. And um, I think we also cover some sort of like uh, you know general trends in terms of like how if you know, upcoming different platforms. And you know, if you were, where, where's this going in terms of direction now in China for for KOL marketing, which is, uh, as we've mentioned before, like it's it's just it's at the forefront of of marketing here, and it's a trend that is also gaining traction outside. So it's something that China's a looking glass into where the rest of the world it will will go in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it's and you know we talk a little also a little bit about how some of the things that some of the debates and discussions that we're seeing um, you know in, in the in the West and the EU and and the US um, don't really happen here and and really kind of highlight some of the some of the big differences in that sense uh, between uh, China and uh, the rest of the world. But with that, we give you Elijah Whaley. All right, so Elijah, thank you so much for um, taking the time to come on to uh, China Tech Talk f- for a second round. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So, um, so, so tell us, Elijah. You know what what's what's been going on since we last talked to you about uh, six or so months ago. You, what have you been working on? What have you been paying attention since since we last talked? Um, well, at Park Lu, we've had a couple of cool things uh, recently. We did a we did a one of our insider events, which is, this is the sixth year in a row that uh, Park Lu has held these branding K- or brands and KOLs come together in an offline shopping event, and then customers can come in and be involved. And it was the first time doing it in winter, so it wasn't as big as normal. Um, it was kind of a test, but it was still really fun. We had like a hundred, almost a hundred KOLs come 
um, that we had invited. We had 20 brands. We had, I think, 1,500 plus visitors or something like that over a two-day period. And we had like a KOL art gallery um, upstairs, which was really fun. And um, so that was really interesting. We're going to do the same thing again in the summer and um, looking forward to that. Um, the We also announced it aligned with that. That was the Insider event is the Insider 500 KOL catalog, which was a pet project idea of me. If um, Actually, when I started with Park Blue, um, I kind of wanted to think about doing something print um, because I think it's an interesting time to do um, print in that it's so hard to gain awareness and get people's attraction or attention right now. And so I wanted to potentially do something different. And really early on, I recognize that we have a lot of clients that come to us and say, we don't want your software. We don't want anything from you. We just want a list of KOLs. We just need to know who potentially we should work with. And, you know, listening to that and in response um, we kind of came up with, hey, we should uh, we should do a catalog, and we'll give you 500 KOLs, which on our platform has a has um, a fairly significant value as far as if you were just to pay us directly for that, and um, and we'll just we'll just do that, do something very different, and uh, have had pretty good response, and had a buddy recently that received it say that he spent his Saturday morning, he spent a whole hour reading it. And I was like, I don't know if there's anything I've ever created in the past that someone spent a whole hour engaged in. So kind of a proud moment. So, yeah, you were saying, I mean, you know, it, it, that it's an interesting time to do print. And, and you know, you guys, you know, you guys work in the digital space. So, you know, I mean, and it feels like, you know, print is kind of, you know, dead in, in some ways. And so, I mean, like, what is it exactly that kind of like inspired you to do to do print? It wasn't something like to have something tangible or is that something like um, that was clearly high quality? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different reasons for it. And even even for me, this, the strategy actually goes pretty deep. Um, but like in KOL marketing, one of the best ways to use a KOL right now is actually in offline events. And because you're able to attract people from the real world to a physical location, you're able to create an experience that people are able to engage with in their real world and then share. And, and it's part of experiential marketing. And I think that that if I wasn't in KOL marketing, I'd be in experiential marketing. And what I mean by that is what can you do to modify product and packaging and offline events that people who engage with them want to share them online? And that's really, really the goal, I think, of modern day experiential marketing is what can you do that's different and fascinating that someone will want to then share online with their friends and really utilizing everyone as an influencer kind of model. And so I think the magazine or the catalog has that very interesting kind of offline approach to um, motivating people to, to talk about and, and appreciate the brand that, Hey, we're doing something very different. We're providing value first, which I think also is something, a model that KOLs use that um, works very well in the modern day of social media is that you would give someone a gift essentially and, and build rapport with them and, um, 
based upon, you know, providing um, entertainment or, or education or some sort of um, value through uh, content. It's, yeah, I think also also like uh, this whole trend of going offline is we're seeing this more and more in China. The big guys mm-hmm. are, are going off. You know, we're, this year the big thing is retail, right? It's it's yep. um, going stuffless stores and investing in traditional supermarket chains and things like this. Mm. It's um, it's taking uh, these tech companies are are, are realizing that this sort of online world is mature and noisy and difficult to mm-hmm. like uh, get any sort of uh, big wins on it now. It's all about integrating that with more offline stuff in, in your real life. And definitely this trend is is ahead of uh, the rest of the world. We don't see so much of this outside China. I think it's, it's really a big trend last year and also it's going to be a huge trend this year as well. But also for totally agree. But also for 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 brands, I think one of the, one of the things that I was thinking, you know, um, in the in in you know in the land where everything is online, having something offline is then is then something special. So kind of you know what what Matt was saying, you know that that the online space is just so crowded these days. Getting attention, um, getting engagement can actually be is is becoming more and more difficult online. Well, absolutely, and and you know they. If, if the big guys have realized that the online world is saturated and that, hey, Alibaba is not going to be able to push um, e-commerce beyond, you know, 10 and 15 per 10 or 20, 15 and 20 percent in most categories, mm. then they know to capture a larger segment of the market. They have to just go offline because that's what the that's what the buying behavior is going to be. And and as a digital marketer, I know that for the last you know, eight months of working at Park Lou that I've kind of maxed out myself in some areas. And I also know how much I'm paying for each one of those, you know, marking qualified lead and sales qualified lead. And, and I look at it as, Hey, this is an opportunity for me also to um, be very specifically targeted and use this as a piece of material in, you know, my approach to building relationships with potential clients that, Hey, you're, I just (laughs) targeting, even on going on LinkedIn and paying $7 a click or something like that. Um, it's not going to impact and reach your um, potential clients the way that a very, you know, a nice gift or an offline experience might be able to. Yeah, totally makes sense. So, uh, those are those are the big things that we've got going on as uh, as far as Park Lou goes. So so looking, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, because I remember um, you know we had talked a few months ago when you were um, in the middle of um, building out the magazine and kind of um, getting it getting it off off to print. Um, I mean, so for you, I mean, again, as a coming as a from a digital marketer, I mean, as a digital marketer, I mean, like, what are some of the big lessons that you learned? And and I mean, any, anything that really surprised you when it comes to like doing something um, offline or or in print? Well, this you know, this catalog, I, I believe both of you have seen it now. Hopefully, um, yep. you know, it was a huge undertaking. This is 176 pages and a incredible amount of graphic design, um, a lot of writing, a lot of curation. And I totally, totally underestimated the amount of work that would have to go into something like this. I, we literally had a core team of three and none of them were full time on it. And so what that actually meant is when crunch time came, it was like 
me and the main designer, you know, seven days a week, not sleeping until two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> trying to get stuff done. And so I totally underestimated the amount of work that it would take. It was a huge undertaking. And then also the expense. These magazines are actually incredibly expensive to print. And like getting your first sample one, which really kind of looks like rubbish, is 600 renminbi just to get one single sample print. And then when you're doing a very small batch like we did, each one of these magazines is incredibly expensive, actually. Um, and so I really underestimated um, labor um, intensity and also the, the cost. Um, obviously, I learned lots about printing and, and things like that. But um, the ma- those were the main areas where I kind of understand why people have moved to digital because digital <laughs> is so much easier. Oh, my gosh. Yes. This, was, this was quite a task. Yeah, I used to be in that industry. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> How do our listeners oh, get a yeah. copy if they can? We've been talking about it for uh, the last they can, uh, five minutes. So I guess that's right. That's right. Well, hopefully you guys just yeah put a, put a link in the show notes to uh, parklu at myshopify.com, and they'll be able to find that. So other besides besides the um, the magazine, um, which you know I, I received a copy uh, recently. It's super nice. I mean, like as someone who's not in the KOL industry, it's a bit um, it's a bit overwhelming. But I think that you know it, it looks nice, it feels nice, um, and I can definitely see how how it would be very useful for um, for clients and for people looking to to uh, to learn more about the industry. Um, but besides the magazine, what else what else have you been working on recently, or what else has caught your attention? Um, well, I mean, the, the real, the real thing has been the changes on Weibo and keeping up with that. And that has been partially Park Blue and partially, uh, the Millennium Foo, um, really trying to grow her as a, uh, as a beauty influencer on Weibo and, um, Weibo keeps on changing the rules. Everybody does. I mean, new platforms are popping up and we're seeing, you know, everything from Totiao um, doing some real dominant changes mm-hmm. or, and dominating, like um, getting into video and dominating um, this really, really interesting world of, of news and UGC content and spreading, spreading out there. I think WeChat's also made some really good moves and positive moves for, for publishers of content and looks like they're going to bring back that whole tipping system, which I think is cool. But um, for me, I've, I, I think there's a lot of people not focusing on Weibo, and that's that's a particular very interest for me. And so what's happened in the last few months with Weibo that's interesting is um, early 2017, maybe late 2016, they, they launched this um, platform um, called Weirenwu. And Weirenwu was supposed to be a way of monetizing KOL um branded content and it didn't really make a big splash at first because essentially there was no reason for a brand or a KOL to run their campaign through this system. And so I didn't really understand it. Most people didn't understand it Hmm. until the last part of 2017, they started blocking um, and pulling down KOL branded or natively advertised KOL posts and they were just pulling them down. And so we had a, we had a client that had kind of a panic situation where they had collaborated with 
um, a very significant KOL and they had paid a very significant amount of money and they had launched this campaign. And then a few hours later, the post was gone, totally disappeared. And so obviously everybody's freaking out and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they contact Weibo and Weibo is like, yeah, well, we, we took down your, your branded post because you didn't run it through our Weiren rule system that is supposed to, you're supposed to pay for this. And so they were able to negotiate and they got it back up. Well, one of the mistakes they also made was they told Wei Ren Wu how much they paid the KOL. Well, in the Wei Ren Wu system, and this is where stuff gets really complicated and very expensive, is you are supposed to pay Wei Ren Wu 100% of what you pay the KOL. Wow. So if you pay a KOL 100,000 renminbi, you have to pay Wei Ren wow. 100,000 renminbi. <laughs> so their campaign just became incredibly expensive to be able to post this thing. So <clears throat> when I learned about this, I was like, holy smokes, what is going on here? And I started doing research. And obviously for, for Malilium Fu, for Maggie, we needed to learn what's going on here. And we started realizing that or we started to see also that the brands who came to us said, you need to run this through Wei Ren Wu first because everybody's starting to learn about the system. So <clears throat> essentially how it works <clears throat> is Wei Ren Wu is an ad platform and you have to log in, create an account, and you actually put, you upload the creative to the platform, the post, all the content, um, the text, the pictures, whatever, um, to the platform for their approval. And what's really interesting, what I, I, I hate, one thing I hate about it, there's lots of things to hate. One thing I hate about it is the actual the quality of the pictures, the actual size of the pictures that you can upload to the Weiren Wool system is smaller than what you can upload to Weibo. <laughs> so actually, they're decreasing the quality of the content right out the gate. For the win. Which to me is, which is, yeah, totally insane. Totally insane. So you upload it into this system, and then you tell them how much you're paying the KOL for this post. And then they charge you 100% fee on that. Well, and, and actually how I guess it ends up ends up working is you pay them the whole price. So you say you're I'm paying the KOL 25. That's their rate. The KOLs put their rate into the system. KOL mm -hmm. says my rate is 5,000 renminbi for a post. And they say, okay, if you want to post with this KOL, then it's going to cost you 10,000 renminbi. And we'll pay the KOL the 5,000 renminbi. And we'll do the post. And the, because you put the content onto the system, we'll post it onto their Weibo account. They have total access to the KOL's Weibo account mm -hmm. and do the posting also. <laughs> and so Weibo, because of doing this, potentially has doubled um, the, the, uh, the cost per impression, the CPM of every single KOL um, branded content post. Okay, but now, wouldn't you just, one, as a brand, say, okay, wouldn't you just talk behind the scenes and say, oh, my rates are like $5? And that should actually, correct, correct. How'd they get around that? Correct. So the way that they're kind of getting around it now is that, yes, because Wei Ren Wu is trying in some ways to be a Park Lu ish type agency. 
So KOL sign up on there and they actually put their rates into there. And then a brand can come in and say, hey, I want to post this piece of content with these KOLs. And potentially those KOLs, if they accept the campaign, that's all they're going to get paid is what they put their rate on Weiren Wool at. Does that make sense? So it's so it's not it's not as it could have been in the past on on a per project basis. It's it's whatever whatever you say you want to get paid is and then and then and then then brands have a have a have a have a range of choice depending on their vertical and depending on their budget. Correct, correct. So but where so where it actually gets very interesting though is and and confusing, hopefully we don't lose each other here, (laughs) is that um what actually ends up happening is KOLs are bringing all of this business to Wei Ren Wu. Wei Ren Wu is not bringing a bunch of business to KOLs. Yes. KOLs are hafting to bring their posts, their collaborations with these brands to Wei Ren Wu and pay this outrageous fee to be able to post. And so if a KOL says, okay, I, I will work with you, but we have to process through Wei Ren Wu, I, I have set my price on Wei Ren Wu at whatever, 5,000 renminbi a post. So you have to pay 10,000 over here in this system. And then in the back end, you need to pay me another 10,000 renminbi. Mm. So my total price is 15,000, but this is how we get around here. But the problem is, is if you ever want to accept a job from Weiren Wu Direct, then you're locked into this 5,000 renminbi price structure that you put up. And you don't have any direct communication with the brand ah. to be able to make more money on the back end. So, 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 Elijah. So, I just wanted to um, to be before. Be, I mean, like this is before we get too far on this. I just want to take take a few steps back because so so okay. basically what what Weibo is doing with this new platform is solving what has been a big big problem for them, which is controlling how other people are monetizing their platform. Mm. Um, Correct. So, so, absolutely. So, you look at because I was talking with um, Jeremy Webb from Ogilvy uh, a, a long time ago, and he was kind of breaking it down for me. And we're we're going to try to get him on, on the podcast at some point. So, 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 basically, like you look at you look at Weibo and their biggest problem in terms of monetization for a long, long time was that they could not control. Uh, how other people were monetizing on top of them, um, and so you had all these third-party um, agencies um, that uh, ad agencies, KOL agencies, and so on um, that would coordinate and campaigns and 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 make money off uh, that way. Um, whereas with like live streaming, they've learned that that they've learned from that lesson, and so while all their live streaming products, it all goes through go it all goes through through Weibo uh, to a certain degree. And a lot of other um, live streaming companies have, have are doing the same, and so it looks like with this Wei Ren Wu, Wei Ren Wu, which is a bit of a tongue twister, um, it is that that what they're trying to do is they're trying to solve that perennial problem that they've had. Um, although, I mean, I, and I but I have to wonder, you know, why now? You know, like why is it that they feel like now they can do it? Why didn't they do it? You know, five years ago. Well. Correct. I mean, and it's the same reason why they block, you know, the reason why you can post a Taobao or Tmall link in um, Weibo is because Weibo gets a gets a kickback for any purchases that are made through the platform from those plat- from Taobao and Tmall. They don't get that kickback from independent e-commerce platforms or JD or some of the other big guys that they don't have an agreement with there. That's one of the reasons why I've talked about this. <laughs> Lots of people still don't believe me that 
if you put in a post with a link essentially going anywhere outside of the Alibaba or Weibo ecosystem, your ranking or your your weight for that post will be reduced and the visibility will be reduced or sometimes even blocked completely. And and, and people say um, and people say that, that that Facebook's algorithms are bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, welcome welcome to China. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, yeah, Weibo has been monetizing. So, pretty well up until before this happened right i mean like you pay to reach your own fans like what you just said before john i think back in the day they might have struggled but in the past year or two they've been doing very well um they've been killing it they've been in terms of squeezing i I agree in terms of rent seeking and just extracting value from from their platform i think they've learned how to do it not just Mm. in the way we've just talked about with way and rule but in, in, in many other ways, they're, they're, they're rent-seeking on top of the platform. You know, just in terms of getting any kind of any kind of reach, you have to pay for it. And I know you, KOLs mm. and you but, uh, before, um, Elijah, have also been complaining about that, that as a KOL, it's expensive mm. to reach your own fans on the platform now. Yes, yes, correct, correct. And so, and, and but John is right. They are, whether they're making money in other ways, which you know, from their stock reports, they, they are, or from their annual pro- reports. Um, however, they are, they have created a system and are now, you know, it's, Weibo is totally pay to play. It's totally pay to play now. And the things that I don't really like about it are the rate, obviously charging 100% of what a KOL charges crazy. Is, is crazy on top of it kind of forces people to try and game the system. Um I think uh, Chinese can be particularly good sometimes at gaming systems, but this is one where it's just like, it just seems totally unfair. And then when you have problems with like, hey, there's a decreased quality in images and images and this little funny stuff. And also it's even now for Maggie, it takes her like two to three hours to set this thing up and to do it. So just the way Ren rule system is actually quite complicated and going through the approval and you can't, you could, could not create a post and put it on way when way red <laughs> after 6 p.m. and get it posted that evening because everybody's gone to work and they're or everybody's gone home. Oh my god! And so you have to, yeah, yeah. And so there's like that kind of stuff that KOLs have to start thinking about. And brands have to start thinking about that. There's an added layer of complexity there now, um, which is I think unfortunate. Um, I know a lot of people really like bag on uh, Weibo and think that everybody's going to leave it because of these types of things and some of the algorithm problems they have. But the reality is there's no other platform that's as content rich and open and to be honest, fun and interesting as Weibo. What about, what about Totiao? Social media. Yeah. What, what? Yeah. Totiao is, well, I mean, Totiao is a awesome, super algorithm focused video platform um, with lots of great UGC content. However, it still lacks the, the richness of Weibo, I believe, as far as when it comes to integrating the live streaming and payments and um, e-commerce and some of the other functions like Weibo stories and things. Right. So I guess so I guess that 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 really is the the the, the big question and I think Matt Matt's kind of um referring to it is is you know are they shooting themselves in the foot and and is there the possibility that you know they are you know decreasing their moat somehow or that that someone could come or that that KOLs might 
take their business elsewhere. Um, because it seems it seems like all these things that 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 you've mentioned. On the one hand, yes, of course, um, as you said, it's it's a very unique place, and and it might be hard to find a replacement. But if it's this painful, I mean, people are mm-hmm. going to be looking elsewhere. Absolutely. As well, and that's why one of the interesting questions and, and something we might address in good segue is I anybody who wants to become a KOL or wants to start building that, the two places I tell them not to start are WeChat and Weibo. They're WeChat because it's too difficult and it's too crowded and the mechanisms for getting people into your content are 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 too difficult. Um and Weibo because it's too freaking expensive. I mean, I, I am embarrassed to tell you guys how much money I've spent building <laughs> up um, Millennium Foods account and like how much monthly we have to spend to maintain that account. It's insane. I mean, it, it is laughably insane. Right, well, so give us a ratio. I, I definitely then. don't recommend let's put some. Let's put some numbers on this in a sort of abstract way. Let's say you have a million fans on Weibo. Yeah. What would a typical yeah. KOL be paying Weibo monthly for to maintain a healthy following of that size? If you're not doing this whole Wei Ren Wu thing, um, how much are you paying you just to reach your audience it. in a sort of reasonable way? I know that that could mean different. How much are you paying? Typically. Yeah, typically, let me do real quick on Maggie's thing. Do some math here. Typically, you're going to be spending. Upwards of two to three thousand USD a month. Wow. Yeah, two to three thousand USD for a million follower KOL account sounds about right. And we're because I, I reference that because we're at like over half a million, <laughs> so okay. it just have to kind of double. Um, and and then that's not way rent yeah. so that's not this whole wow. charging fee thing that we have to go into now. That's purely maintaining an account. That is purely the money that we have to pay directly to uh, Weibo. Mm. Wow. So so just looking at the cost structure for um, the way rent rule for a second. Um, so but it, it at the end of the day, it's the it's the brand or it's the person or the client hiring the KOL that has to pay that fee. It's not, it's not the KOL themselves. Correct. Correct. It's not the KOL themselves unless the KOL somehow did their own deal and got locked into, you know, a contract or something like that and didn't know about this and then posted it and had it pulled down. And I don't know, you know, there's obviously it's the brand that has to pay it. And, and really what it comes down to is now marketers, when they look at Weibo and look at doing a KOL campaign on there, have to adjust their CPM and they need to look at this thing because one of the interesting, okay, here's the other thing. Here's the last thing that I was going to say about the Weibo Wool. So once you process through Weibo Wool, there's nothing algorithmically changes on the KOL's account. You still are limited to the same reach. You still have to pay for promotion to get outside of that 10% reach. Oh, now I had a way, I had a way Ren Wool person literally just last night say to someone that that's not true, but I've been using the software and the program for three months now with tons with, I think we've done, we've done a couple dozen campaigns at least. And I know that there is no amplification. There is no benefit to running a campaign through way Ren Wool, except for that it won't be blocked. 
Right. See, this is this is like the worst nightmare of, uh, <laughs> in some ways, of how like what can happen if a social platform abuses yeah. its position of power in terms of well, it's an aggregator uh, for different groups. So here it's matching. You know, they're the choke point between their, their power comes from the audience, obviously, the, the amount of users. I know for Weibo, they pay an incredible amount of money to all of the uh, big handset providers so that Weibo is installed as default on nearly all Android devices in China. Mm. And actually, I've had mm. Android devices where you couldn't even delete it. Uh, <laughs> um, it was that bad. Um, so they're paying for acquisition and, and um, you know, they, they've, they've reached a certain scale as well, where um, it's it's people for for KOLs the the platform is 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 established and it's like usually when KOLs in China mention their following and, and want to promote themselves the their Weibo following is the first thing out their mouths right mm. so it's kind of a standard um, and then uh, so they're they're matching these two groups and then there's brands involved and 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 so they're stuck in the middle um, you know as the as the um, as the aggregator rule of all this, and now now they're just putting in all these different systems to extract rent from surplus from this mm. whole environment in a sort of economic sense, that, and and nobody can do anything, right? It's 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 a monopoly. So, and I I think the big mistake, and here's my fear for the platform, I don't think anything's going to happen today or tomorrow, and I don't think that the KOLs who understand how to play the game are going anywhere. But just like I previously said that I don't recommend any new content creators focus on Weibo. And so what's going to happen to Weibo is they're not going to get the youngest, hottest, coolest talent coming in and using the platform. And so they're not going to attract those users in the future. And that's where you're going to have a really hard problem. It's the same thing that I believe the big, big mistake that all of the Chinese video platforms made, all of them, and they continue to make, is they do not reward and support content creators, the UGC content creators. They never paid reasonable advertising wages um, to UGC creators like YouTube. And YouTube has taken over the world because they figured out that, hey, if we reward people and substantially reward them for creating great stuff that people really like, then we'll have this huge mega ecosystem of very interesting, very engaging content that is that creates, you know, YouTube, which is the world's second largest search engine and, you know, <laughs> is the producer of as much media in like five minutes as there was in all of time before that kind of thing. And so like they're doing very, very similar to what the video platforms did and they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're not paying and not supporting content creators. And so the platforms that do pay and do reward content creators in in a better way. I, I don't see any platform that's really, really doing right by content creators in China right now. But the ones that do, well, well, of course, they'll attract the content creators and the content creators will attract the audience. And so <clears throat> short term, yeah, you can install your app on everybody's phone and you can use these different types of strategies to create buzz around your brand and your platform. But in the long term, if there's not interesting stuff being created by really interesting people 
then you're going to lose audience, of course. So, so I, w- I want to make a quick, quick point, and then then ask a question uh, about about what what you just said. Um, so, so you know, circling back a little bit to you know talking about rankings and and links and things like that. You know, just just looking at um, the Chinese internet and how ecosystem focused it has become. And so, I think this this is an important point for uh, people listening. Um, outside of China um, who maybe don't have much uh, direct experience um, with using some of some of these uh, platforms and ecosystems. I mean, so, you know, Alibaba, the Alibaba ecosystem, including Weibo, you know, Elijah, as you were saying before, if you include a link to JD, include a link to, you know, like a WeChat page or something like that, your ranking is going to um, decrease significantly. And the same is true on on WeChat. You know, if you post a link from Taobao uh, through WeChat, someone clicks through, they're going to get a warning message. Um, and it's act- mm-hmm. one of those things where actually what you have to do is just copy paste the um, the the link and then open your <laughs> browser, you know, to in yeah. order to actually view uh, view that web page. And so, you know, it's not just it's not just Alibaba; it's also Tencent, and, and these are yeah. the two biggest players. And you know, when we talk about, uh, I think you know, Matt and I, we we've talked about uh, net neutrality and and these types of issues. You know, this type of stuff does not exist in China. Um, and these types of debates about, you know, about fair algorithms, about, uh, you know, um, even the idea of monopoly, right? I mean, Matt, you mentioned that what Weibo is doing is creating this monopoly. You know, this is a discussion that's it's a pretty, it's a really big discussion that's happening right now about, about Google, about Facebook and their impact on society. But this is not a discussion that's that that's happening in China, um, and so I think that it's one of those things that I just want to point that out um, and emphasize to people just how different um, things things are here. And so, on the one hand, of course, you know um, the reason that 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 we have this podcast is to explain to people what's happening here, but then also highlight some of the um, some of the, some of the some of the really cool things that are happening. But I think on the on the flip side of that, also to highlight some of the the things that that. To, 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 to put it lightly, go against traditional Western values. Um, so I, I just wanted to emphasize that. Um, yeah, but but I guess does that now as well. They, they recently started blocking all links out to other platforms. Oh, yeah. have they really? That was just a few days ago. Well, and you, you know what, though? And, and I really want you guys and I want viewers or listeners to also be aware, too, of that in all of my statements that I'm making here, I'm I'm incredibly impressed and with what China has done. And even though they don't have this, you know, the Western sense of net neutrality and stuff, you know, look at look at the advancements, look at what they've created. They are absolutely leaders in social and um, some of the online content technologies and payments and things like that. So. Uh, you know, I just was back in the States the first time in four years and had to have several conversations with people that um, skewed um, a little bit, you know, farther from um, from uh, yeah, from nice conversations, I guess, sometimes talking about China because I, I don't sympathize with China. I understand it much better now. Right. And I also understand that, hey, this is how the system is. And for them, it also works really well. Mm. Yeah. Um- up, up, up to a certain point, um, at least. And this, this is this is always the thing about uh, development and growth is that it's. I mean, as if if it works, it works, and no one really questions it until until it stops working, right? Um, correct. Correct. 
but but so so the question that I wanted to ask um, is you were t- you were talking about um, user generated content and and the fact that that Chinese companies haven't done a good job of, of rewarding that. I mean, so so why do you think mm-hmm. that is? Is it is it because the 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 marketplace for UGC is is high enough, or the the the, the competitiveness is is uh, is is strong enough that they think that you know because there's so many people clamoring to to do this type of thing that they don't need to pay each individual that much money. You know, I don't I don't know exactly. I still don't understand why they don't reward the content creator. I, I to be honest, it, it seems like such a logical strategy to me for any content platform that wants to have really, really great stuff. Um, it seems so logical for me that you would do that. I mean, it's a self-controlling system that's, you know, that's voted on by the people, by the watchers. And, um, and I, I really don't understand to, to be honest. Um, I, I do understand that, Hey, the reason that the video platforms have curated home pages is because every single one of those curated items on there is essentially paid for. And that's how they make money. I understand that, you know, Weibo has this weighting system where they essentially they're, they're adding and subtracting the value of a single post based upon how much it was paid or what the content is, or what are some of the structures, you know, base structures to the post itself. Um, However, one of the interesting things that maybe a lot of people don't realize, too, is that as print and some other forms of media have um, have been reducing in their their impact or even dying to some degree, those experts, um, those video producers, those writers, those photographers have moved into digital media and creating stuff on places like Weibo or Totiao or WeChat. And also with them, money and investment has followed that. There is a lot, a lot of money in this whole UGC, KOL created content stuff. And not just on the platform side, but on the actual creator side and businesses um, that support creators, whether they be incubators or just investment in a company or agencies Um, There is a lot of money going into supporting creators, definitely. And there's a lot of very powerful, very, very creative people in the field. And it's also one of the reasons why one of my predictions for 2018 and beyond is that KOL content is actually going to become very, very high quality. Um, It will be, in some cases, it'll be indistinguishable from, you know, any high quality TV show that you've seen um, or or posts that come from ad agencies or something because there is so much money being poured in this and there is a transition, a natural transition from radio and TV and magazines and things like that into this digital world. So the though they're handling it differently and it is kind of exclusive, um, that's why it's really hard to be a KOL without having contacts in China, um, is you it, it it is supporting the same people in some ways that were supported before in the other content creation um, mm. avenues mm. so so i guess what you're saying is that you know for for someone who's looking to break into being a kol or or break out in in, in terms of popularity 
uh, it's not too late. Um, that's that's that, that's always my question because I look at I look at you know uh, YouTubers uh, KOLs here in China and so you know my 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 question is always you know as as someone who like would want to get into it you know is it is it is it too late already because you know all these people you know they have first mover advantage you know they have such a huge following they have that reputation already you know is there room to kind of chip away at that or is there room to um to build build you know my own business um you know uh, uh, underneath their shadow yeah, if you wanted to start start being a okay well today what would you do i mean from zero so it the cool thing about China and the cool thing about you know how things move, how fast things move over here is the rate of churn, and so we're having platforms rising and falling, and accounts you know rising and falling all of the time, all of the time, and sometimes you know even like this summer would have been a great time to start doing some new fashion blogs or some new. Um, kind of uh, gossip blogs because the government came in and wiped out all of these wiped out uh, some very significant fashion and and celebrity gossip and and global news kind of webs or accounts because of the new cybersecurity laws so there's also some timing too that could be even like aligned with uh, crackdowns and such but the reality is if you want to become popular in China the rules haven't changed very much, even though the platforms and what's going on has. Um, if you want to become popular in China, you have to have to know somebody at the platform, and or you need to be with an agency that works with the platform. Because if you're trying to organically grow, I almost almost consider it to be impossible. Now, the only other strategy would be is that you create really great stuff for a period of time, and then you reach out to the platform and say, "I'll continue to create stuff like this on your platform if you support me and if you push me." Because the algorithms of most of the platforms are so manually controlled or broken, um, you have to play the game, and part of the game is working with the platforms, and so. Like right now, I think one of the greatest platforms to probably be on for a young content creator is Douyin, and Douyin is a Toutiao um, play or, or purchase, and or TikTok, yeah, TikTok outside of China, um, and they're I guess they're making some really good pushes into Southeast Asia, um, and then Douyin inside of um, China, and and then I think musically that. You know, they also bought musically, but that's going to stay musically in in North America, South America, and Europe and such. Um, but they're not going to push uh, musically here in Asia. Um, but I would figure out what my very unique position is for Douyin, and I would create videos, and I wouldn't submit them to the platform. I would find contacts at Douyin and make friends there, and show up at their door and show them what you're making. And become one of their promoted KOLs because right now they have a very short list of like 250 KOLs that they actually pay and they manage, and those are the ones that get brand sponsorships and and deals. And so you want to work with the platforms. If you're not working with the platform, it's going to be incredibly difficult. And you can work with the platform if you're willing to put in the blood, sweat, and tears, and essentially not be paid. 
by the platform, just allowing, just being integrated into their <clears throat> content rotation, essentially. So, so you were saying before that um, that you wouldn't recommend uh, Weibo to people people who are just starting out. So, like, so you said that 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 maybe the the rules haven't changed, but maybe so the strategy in general hasn't changed, but the tactics might have changed. So, so what 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 would be your best advice to someone who who was looking? I mean, obviously, you know, know someone at the platform, but then which platforms? Um, and and is there like certain types of content that that do better than than others? Um, you know, content is going to be platform specific. So it just depends on what platform you're going after. Um, if I was young and starting out right now, I would go with Douyin. If I was trying to go after a very um, young audience and I was willing to, you know, and I was interested in making videos that are only five to, I think those things are max 10 or 15 seconds. Um, you know, but there was a lot of Vine superstars out there when vine was popular that thing was running pretty well um you know uh twitter did a good job of driving it into the ground um but i don't think of course they I did. Hope that <laughs> won't do that yeah of course they did they they just have a black touch um and uh but i think totiao i think this totiao e-commerce or this totiao ecosystem seems to be really healthy and really different and it seems like they're playing the game a little different um, as far as their own algorithms and um, the acquisitions that they're kind of making and moves, like it's a really interesting place to be. I, I would be there. I would also look if I wanted to do produce longer form video. I would look at platforms like um, Billy Billy. I think is really interesting. I really like them. I I hope that they're not taken down someday. That's my fear. Is that um, I know internally they have some problems with founders and. I think that they could have like go the way of like AC fun. Like there's some problems potentially with government and, and things like that. Um, but Billy Billy is good. Uh, Maypie is still really healthy place. You can do really well organically potentially by just using proper tags and doing a combination of live streaming short, some five minute video. And even now they have their own like Douyin type music feature thing that they're pushing really hard. Um, actually Maggie just did an ad for that just a couple of weeks ago on, on Weibo for the, for the new musically feature. Um, so those are some of the spaces I would be in. I, I would do your research, but to be honest, how I would, how I would execute growing is wherever my friends work. <laughs> if I have friends that work with Dillion, then I would go with Dillion. If I have friends that work at Maypie, I would go with Maypie because really in the, in the end, your inside contacts and the people that can push you to the homepage is going to be the most important part. I mean, it is so difficult to make it organically and not impossible. It's just so much more difficult than without having an insider. I mean, again, just kind of reinforcing some of the things that I that I said earlier about the the major differences. I think you know, it, it, like that comment um, that you said about you know how the algorithms are kind of manual um i think is is, is interesting mm. and, and idiosyncratic perhaps um for for china um but also one of the things that i'm i'm super curious about is, is you know you guys are starting to do these events um you know i remember that you had this uh this great panel at uh the uh china chat um conference um uh late last year in in shanghai so i'm curious you know from from for, for you 
Like, what's it like working with KOLs? What's it like working? <laughs> uh, well, you know, for that's one of the big differences between Park Lou and, and most other KOL um, supporting or, or advertising type platforms is we're actually really close with our KOLs. Like we have KOLs on staff, um, s- several of them actually. And we have, um, we do KOL like training events. We do a lot of community stuff. We do a lot of like these, um, you know, our employees are friends of KOLs and stuff. And we're, we support initiatives, even, even like the insider magazine or catalog is kind of like a KOL relationship thing. Um, we're looking at doing some really interesting stuff with potentially chat bots and KOLs this year. And, and so we really try and support the KOL community. Um, but I think KOLs are like the problems that you can have with KOLs are similar to the problems that you can have with any sub 30 year old employee um, that's creative. Um, and that means that, you know, sometimes people can be flaky or weird or sensitive or, you know, maybe a sense of entitlement. Maybe, maybe they're, um, you know, these people who are attracted to these types of industries and the creatives and the people who have this special skills of communication, um, maybe sometimes they, they lack in other areas and maybe sometimes they're amazing, incredible people that are extremely business savvy and have high EQ and such, but it's, it runs the gambit. I mean, KOLs are just people and the most of them are very young. And so you deal with the same things that you deal with when you deal with young people who are trying to do professional things. Overall is the, um, is the ROI on, on, you know, how much, how much are brands paying for KOLs? Is that in the past, since we last spoke, how's that trend been going overall? Is it getting just more and more expensive to use KOL as a, as a, as a promotional um, no, channel? I, is, what do you see? Well, this, this Wei Ren Wu thing really, like, I haven't sat down and, and cranked out the numbers myself because, unfortunately, it also depends on, like, how you manipulate the system. Um, however, I think I think prices are, are staying pretty steady because <clears throat> they are somewhat gauged and they're somewhat or what do you call that when a currency stuck to another currency? Pegged. They're somewhat um, yeah, pegged to the native advertising costs of the platform. And so even though they're more expensive, you know, I've kind of written on this extensively, even though they're more extensive or more expensive, there's reasons for that, and it's still kind of pegged to those um, native advertising costs. Okay. So it's not, no, 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 yeah. It's sort of hit a ceiling almost. No. Is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that, and I think that it will somewhat remain there. And it, it really, it really just depends on, because there is no overarching um, price structure or something like that, it's, it's kind of like agencies. It's kind of like, um, any business where you're, you know, bidding on something where your ability to negotiate and the value that you place on yourself or on your audience or on the content you create or something will ultimately determine the cost. And so you can find KOLs of very comparable quality and follower size and the cost difference can be extremely significant. 
extremely significant. And it's really just based upon how much this person values and is able to um, negotiate um, their their contracts. Well, well, Elijah, you know, as as always, thanks thanks so much for for coming on the show, and I think that you know, um, telling us more about all the all this stuff. So at least for me, um, KOLs and kind of uh, social media marketing and things like that, it's it's a bit of a it's an area I'm not so familiar with, and so it's always it's always really nice to um, to talk to you, especially you know get you on the show to tell us kind of you know what what you've been doing and and some of this you know what is actually happening in this space. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really, it's a pleasure. Like I've said before, it's very therapeutic for me to be able to just talk and release all of this. That's great. Uh, And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, you can um, leave us a review on iTunes, or if you're on Overcast or on Pocket Casts, you can uh, tap on that star button and it will recommend this episode to your network. 